Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Hi everyone, my name is Michał Baranowski. I'm a director of the Warsaw Office of German Marshall Fund of the United States. I would highly recommend Visegrad Inside. They are good friends and excellent, excellent experts. So um, subscribe and follow. Thanks. Joe Biden is visiting Europe uh, very soon over the weekend. Today is uh, June 8th, so it's less than than a week until his visit uh, to uh, to transatlantic partners. Uh, with uh, with the plan also to meet with uh, Russia's leader Vladimir Putin. Uh, that is a um, very important visit also for Central European countries, but it seems that there is a very little strategy and there is even there is uh, even some there are even some developments uh, regarding this trip and this visit that uh, that are not you know helping the central european uh, countries at least leadership of those countries relationship with with joe biden uh, it's interesting to observe as it uh, as its approaches that we still don't know how on what grounds will for instance poland build up the future relationship uh, with the us uh, we will see only in July maybe some first signs of, of a new approach from the U.S. administration to, towards cent Central European initiatives like the Three Cs uh, initiative when the summit is being pl planned to be held in Bulgaria. But in the meantime, there is a lot happening in Bulgaria. Yes, um, there has been talk uh, and well, uh, it's actually been put in place uh, several sanctions against uh, Bulgarian cronies, um, quite a number of them also having connections to the political establishment and Boyko Borisov in particular. Um, so these are US sanctions uh, based on the Magnitsky Act, which is uh, formally speaking uh, a about human rights, but uh, is being also used uh, in, in a wider sense, uh, tackling sort of uh, questions uh, related to the rule of law. It's interesting um, and quite a strong statement, uh, of course, uh, against uh, Bulgaria. And this is not the first time it, it has happened before, but it does show uh, perhaps also the pathway for, for other Central European countries uh, in the next years and what to expect from a Biden administration. That seems a lot more proactive on questions questions of uh, democracy, corruption, rule of law, green transition. And well, as we know, some of these are very sensitive uh, topics, uh, not just in Bulgaria, but also Poland and, and Hungary. Um, so yes, well, coming back to Bulgaria, this is definitely a big development also in the run up to the to the sort of new elections that will take place in July, uh, where it really seems that there's a chance also that some of the more established older parties are keen on on retaking some of the, the the field they've lost to these newer uh, protest parties. Um, this is definitely a strong uh, signal the Biden administration sends um, also towards uh, towards Bulgaria, not uh, not uh, to 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 take a step back when it comes to fighting corruption and the rule of law. Yeah, we will uh, we will look into Bulgarian elections a couple of more times. I, I guess that the last um, elections we we covered um, 
uh, pretty closely um, in in the text by Spasimir uh, Domaratsky and Asia Metodieva and uh, and also our guest speakers at Visegrad Inside breakfast sessions. Uh, but now moving on the wider issue of of the of the rule of law um, in the European Union, uh, Europe hasn't been done, doing much, hasn't been doing enough uh, on on the cases of corruption like like the one that were pinpointed by U.S. administration. In fact, uh, the current administration highlighted only a couple of days ago last week that corruption is to be now reviewed, uh, issues of corruption is going to be reviewed as a, a national threat, a national interest threat, uh, a national security threat for uh, for U.S. We will see uh, coordinated action between agencies um, and departments of the administration to um, to fight corruption, uh, and also that will involve uh, closer cooperation with uh, with the European Union. Most probably, definitely, sanctions on Belarus will be discussed and coordinated. There will be issues relating to corruption because a lot of the of of the of the current regime feeds off. Um, uh, of the dirty money um, from smuggle and arms sales and whatnot, where US and EU cooperation might mean a lot. But at the same time, there is there is also increasing uh, chatter on the rule of law, of course, again, in, in countries of Central Europe. Um, European Parliament is threatening legal action in the European Court of Justice against the Commission if the Commission doesn't um, you know, simply apply the rule of law mechanism to the to the EU uh, EU funds um, as they are being prepared to be spent with for, in Hungary and Poland. Vera Jourova says, "Well, we're doing now quickly and swiftly and more than than we used to. Let's see where it brings us." And in the meantime, uh, Hungarian Hungarian uh, justice minister who is in her portfolio has also EU affairs says that Hungary will never adopt a European prosecutor. What do you make of that, Quincy? Well, it, it's definitely clear that the European Parliament has uh, or is running out of patience when it comes to to all of these rule of law procedures, which have been ongoing now for several years and uh, seem endless. I mean, there's no real conclusion. There's this. Uh, there doesn't seem to be happening much, so it is quite a strong statement in uh, in putting so the Commission potentially in front of the European Court of Justice and uh, having to give explanations on why it's taking so long. Uh, I think Jurova definitely has been a good uh, spokesperson uh, on on speaking uh, uh, on the topic of of rule of law, but it is also really about what you can enforce, practically speaking. Um, but again, we are in a dynamic where where pretty much a lot of these difficult questions have to be solved in courts rather than anywhere else, which is also not uh, not a perfect uh, perfect solution. Um, yes, and I agree. Uh, I mean, the European Public uh, Prosecutor's Office, as we've mentioned in, in previous podcasts, it is a big step. Um, it does come with with a couple of catches and in, in being a number of countries being non participants uh, to this office for now. Well, uh, only three if we if yes, we're correct. Yes, so. but three that are very much concerned potentially on, on questions uh, of, of the rule of law, of conflict of interests, also between politics and business. Uh, that does make it, uh, make it uh, difficult. Yeah, so we have three countries, Poland, uh, Hungary and Sweden, which are not participating yet. Uh, 
they're not applying the the treaty uh, European Treaty of Lisbon um, yet but at some point as just like EU adoption they should and then there are two opt-out countries uh, Ireland and and Denmark um, but yeah I mean <laughs> Hungary is moving on the uh, on again as a as if trying to show the limits of the current setup in the European Union, it has been blocking uh, statements on uh, on f- f- foreign policy, uh, basically agenda of the European Union when it comes to Hong Kong and the agenda on China. At the same time, uh, in Budapest itself, there were a massive protests over the last weekend. We wrote about in our weekly outlook announcing them and then just referring to them as they happened. Uh, One of the biggest manifestations um, since perhaps expelling the EU, uh, uh, the Central European University from Budapest, on the question of, well, a non-transparent setup of of, uh, Chinese, Chinese loan, which would need to be repaid um, with a lot of interest by Hungarian taxpayers for installing a Chinese university, um, which is not considered such a big advancement for um, for the questions on again rule of law, uh, human rights, and uh, and liberties. Well, maybe two points I would add here: it's um, this Fudan case is definitely also a way for the opposition to profile itself quite visibly, uh, which I think well benefits uh, uh, Gergely Karadzon also in in many ways from the point of view of elections in Hungary next year. Second point is well, it is rather strange uh, all of these sort of obscure. Uh, agreements Hungary is making with China about loans, while at the same time saying, oh, actually the loans from the European Recovery uh, Facility Fund, uh, no thanks, even though they're at much more advantageous uh, rates and in better conditions. So the Hungarian government does have a a little bit of explanation to do why why it's much more attractive to to work together with Chinese, according to them, than with their European partners. Well, the explanation seems to be obvious, but uh, it's it's harder to na- name it. But the 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 <laughs> the logic, political logic, or not even political logic, it is a corrupt logic. Uh, is is that you can take some of that money in your pockets and the pockets of your um, of the political proxies? Um, no, no Chinese prosecutor will look into that. Uh, yeah. Exactly. While uh, while with the EU money more uh, transparent and uh, lower rates uh, with interest at lower rates, uh, if any. Uh, that's another thing. If you need to repay them later on, uh, they are they're good for the citizens, but not so good for the uh, centralized uh, system of um, appropriating state resources and public resources. Yeah, well, uh, there is more, of course, in Hungary. Hungary is such a fascinating topic. Uh, uh, we were just following the news from also a couple of days ago with the announcement of Pope Francis uh, coming to Hungary uh, soon, uh, and the, and because it's not going to be a state visit, he is declining to meet with with state officials. He has met previously uh, with some state officials from Central Europe as well, very well. Um, but that is seems like a slap to the political ideology narrative of uh, of, of the ruling uh, government, uh, well, of the ruling party and the government, which is all about Christianity, which is all about family values, 
And then Pope doesn't want to meet with the government and have a photo op and uh, a picture with them, but really wants to participate in a mass with the people, for the people in on 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 one of the occasions in Hungary. That seems to be a political issue and has been a politicized issue. And I, in many ways, I, I see that there will be also possible accusations how the opposition wants to uh, potentially, you know, abuse uh, such a visit for its own gains. That's that's to be expected, uh, I think, and I'm afraid of in the in the state propaganda. Just as in Poland, we we only witnessed that uh, last last week, uh, the government launched um, through social media channels a campaign really of um, of threats against the Belarusian uh, leader uh, Svetlana Tsikhanovska, who was paying a visit uh, to Poland and being welcomed by the government and the opposition and mayors across Poland. Uh, she was also. I mean, her visit has been commented by uh, Mr. Terlecki uh, that it does not serve well in the, in the relationship between the government and herself and the opposition in Belarus mm. uh, very well if she is, you know, uh, approaching the opposition in Poland. Mm-hmm. And then he threatened even to uh, that she should be in touch rather in Moscow than, you know, if she wants to continue being in touch with the opposition here. Outrageous. Met with um, a lot of uh, rebuttal from pundits, of course, uh, opposition leaders, of course. And I think there, there was, uh, I mean, there, there is a general feeling of uh, how insensitive and stupid that was, really. Uh, even in the in the camp, in the PIS camp, where a lot of things are happening, but it seems they are happening under under the rug. We don't we don't see them uh, yet. Um, very soon, uh, Mr. Govin might be leaving the government, the um, deputy prime minister, and uh, it might be a technical or, or a very sh- very narrow ma- uh, majority with the number of MPs he, uh, Mr. Kaczynski can uh, get from cookies, from other independents, and, and sometimes on, on several issues also support from the left, from the united left, that al- already demonstrated its willingness. So things are, pieces are moving up and a lot happening again, exactly in, in those weeks where, where high-level visits uh, are taking place. This Thursday, we are having a subscribers-only event where we'll be discussing uh, recovery and resilience plans of Poland and Hungary with Zoltan Pagatsa, an international economist from Hungary, and our fellow Filip Konopczyński. For more information, check out our website. Remember to subscribe to Visegrad Insight in case you haven't yet, and you'll be able to watch the recording from the event next week. Our guest is Michał Baranowski from the German Marshall Fund, and we recorded this conversation on the 9th of June, just when President Biden has been taking off for his trip to Europe. Hi, Michał. Uh, Joe Biden is literally taking off for uh, for Europe for uh, for a super uh, super week of super meetings with uh, the, the most important European partners, uh, G7, NATO, European Union. Uh, now tell me what to watch for, and and especially from the perspective from the angle of Central Central Europe. Hmm. From the angle of Central Europe, I would say that there are main two key meetings. One is, of course, the NATO summit, 
where Biden is expected to <clears throat> reaffirm commitment to Article 5, to say that America is back, that America stands together with Europe. Um, and, and, and I think this is all pretty well uh, set. It, there's no huge either fireworks or disappointments prepared for, for the summit. Uh, this is, of course, in, in big contrast to, to Donald Trump, who was questioning existence of the alliance. And, and, you know, people were really wondering if he remains the president, whether there will be another NATO summit. Um, and of course, the summit will launch uh, the review of uh, NATO's strategic concept that needs uh, certainly an update. So that's one meeting. Um, uh, the other key meeting will be with uh, President Putin, of course. Uh, this is uh, their first meeting. Uh, it comes after um, after uh, already quite an acrimonious moment uh, in their bilateral uh, or exchanges. Uh, Biden called uh, Putin a murderer, or at least he implied so in a in a question. Um, uh, but on the other hand, what many uh, watchers are pointing to uh, with concern is the decision by the United States not to further sanction Nord Stream 2. Uh, as a, uh, you know, this was done, of course, uh, mainly as a, as a uh, gesture toward the, uh, Germany, but it's uh, seen by many as a concession toward Russia as well. So I think this is this is a key uh, key meeting, uh, and especially given that there is very little consultation, there has been no consultation with with Poland, with other Central Europeans ahead of the meeting. Um, and, you know that this is something very important for us to watch. Yeah, and uh, you said there are two important items of the of the expected meeting uh, between Biden and Putin. One uh, one um, one of that. Uh, Yes, concerns um, uh, the question of whether Mr. Putin is murderer, let's put it in the uh, uh, quotation marks. But yes, indeed, there is a tension about the illegal uh, illegal operations on the territory of NATO members. And we are looking back to Salisbury. We're looking back to Czech Republic um, very recently. We're looking to also to the still uh, unclear case of the hijacking of the Ryanair flight, where... Uh, some of the people who left the plane and allegedly were involved uh, were also allegedly Russian citizens. Not to say that uh, it was Russia operation, but still there is a clear um, there there is a clear issue of you know security per se and of the security of operations of intelligence and or uh, counterintelligence operations and also basically uh, spies and murderers in the space uh, that were. That were not um, that were not an issue for several years. Now this is on the table on one on one side. On the other side, uh, yes, there are, there are these questions that you raised um, regarding uh, also Nord Stream through energy projects, and um, and it also involves Belarus. It also involves the question of um, uh, of the country, which by Nord Stream two. And that's little attention, a little spotlight so far on, on this issue is going to be even more in the hands of, um, of Russia because of the economic nature of the regime, of how, how important it was. We already just read the news these days about the Yamal pipeline that is, has been transform, uh, transporting gas from 
Russia through Belarus, through Poland to Germany, um, not to be exploited. So by Gazprom, Gazprom does, did not, virtually did not book any of its uh, capacity for the years to come. Uh, indicating that um, hmm. maybe maybe it will not be used anymore. So I think these two are somehow you know sp- especially from Central European perspective, where obviously Poland but also Lithuania uh, are uh, are most uh, mostly concerned, but all all the other partners in the EU concerned. Do you think that this question will be also on the table? Is is Mr. Biden going to talk to Mr. Putin about Mr. Lukashenko? Yes, I do think he will. Um, and as you, you know, you, you are very polite in your analysis that, that we don't yet know, but all the, the, the Ryanair, uh, basically kidnapping, uh, has all finger, uh, prints of, uh, FSB or KGB. Uh, and it's very clear that Lukashenko would not be able to do it without, uh, at least tentative uh, political support from Russia, but probably these were very much the, the operators, so um, uh, of of Russia on the on the on the plane. So yes, it will. Uh, th- these are the problems that Russia is causing in the perception of uh, of Washington. It's uh, it's what's happening in Belarus. It's the troops on their border of Ukraine. Um, uh, it's uh, it's attacks, cyber attacks directly on the United States. Um, but uh, and, and there will certainly, you know, the, the, there is sort of priority of those. But I think actually we are seeing uh, an administration, and I'm, you know, this is what we need to look very carefully uh, into administration that is looking for. In the words of Blinken, and and I think President Biden said this as well, uh, predictability and stability in the relationship with Russia. Uh, they will not be friends. Um, yes, there will be some areas of potential cooperation, uh, climate, Afghanistan, a few others. There will be adversaries, but um, but the U.S. wants to focus uh, and <laughs> wants to focus on China. Uh, so. Russia will be a source of problems, but they want to minimize the source of the, the, the size of the of the of the of the of the problems. Um, something that is very very important for us for us to watch. There's also one other idea that is that is begin to sort of uh, you know float around Washington that that I'm I'm worried about and. Um, and uh, and I now heard it from a couple sources, so it's it's really really important that we that that we watch it and and, and counter it, uh, which is the idea that U.S. can uh, sort of uh, break the bond uh, between Russia and China. It's not an alliance, uh, of, but it, they are working closer and closer together. Um, uh, and I'm saying that this is a problem for us. Because uh, first of all, I think it's uh, very unlikely because uh, because Russia and China really share the goal of undermining the rule based international order. But secondly, Russia is clearly going to uh, pay the, well want US to pay the price. There is also Chinese presence on the grounds in Belarus, and if we look at that, uh, Chinese presence in the region of Central Europe has been one of the drivers of the. Previous initiatives uh, of the you know with with U.S. backing and and continuous uh, uh, sites on the region uh, from from the perspective of the Three Seas Initiative, for instance, and not only. 
And I wonder, um, what, what do you hear if you if you're you know have you're putting an ear to to the colleagues in in Washington and you try to uh, check what's on the uh, what's upcoming? We we haven't really heard much from a U.S. administration official statement since February when Mr. Blinken endorsed it, and of course we have seen bipartisan agreements um, on supporting Three C's initiative, but also on. Uh, the tele- telecommunication act to uh, to get uh, to, to to get central european in a, in a way insulated from chinese uh, um, mm-hmm. things but do, do, do you think uh, this is also a moment to watch for any developments or we need to wait until july when proper summit and some new new steps will be taken i i would be surprised if there is something coming out on 3c's because not because it's not important, but there is just so much packed in the next few days that only the largest items uh, will be uh, will be dealt with. Um, and frankly, there has been um, quite a bit of silence uh, of the administration on many aspects of relations with Central Eastern Europe, with with couple exceptions, very notable, uh, for example. Uh, President Biden's participation in the Bucharest 9 summit or meeting of uh, Secretary Blinken with uh, V4 ministers, but largely they have not focused uh, on three uh, C's, on regional cooperation, but also in bilateral conversations. So, no, I don't think that there'll be anything particularly large coming out of that. But uh, importantly, now that you notice Bucharest 9 address, uh, the last lines of the communication of, of Mr. Biden that were later uh, you know, transcribed and, and put um, up by the White House, uh, were on democratic security, the rule of law, um, which were the lines uh, that, of course, uh, many in Central Europe uh, look at. And then there was another uh, step in this direction by the administration, um, putting more sanctions on uh, on the oligarchs in Bulgaria, and then there was an initiative also on of of Mr. Biden to fight corruption and to use uh, to coordinate agencies and departments of the government um, to coordinate on corruption against corruption as a security threat to United States, also from foreign uh, sources. So now looking at Central Europe, one may say how much corruption and the rule of law and the democratic insecurity is going to drive this, uh, the future of, of this relation. How much do you think this will be also part of a conversation in Europe? It's an excellent question. Um, and I think the answer is it will drive a lot, um, the conversation with uh, Central Europe with various uh, degree of problems, to be to be honest. Uh, for Biden and his uh, team, uh, democracy, democratic resilience is absolutely key concept. Uh, in his op-ed three days ago, um, Biden very much underscored that the reason why he's going to Europe is to rally the democracies of the world against the threat of autocracies. And he meant, of course, mostly China to extend Russia. Uh, that said, you got to be pretty good democracy to be able to, <laughs> to, to be part of this. And, and in our region, we have a number of uh, problems. Um, so I think this is, 
the way I see it impacting, though, right now, uh, the the relations is actually in a in a in a way that I I, I I'm a bit critical of because the way it's it's a simple thing. It's basically Americans are, for the most part, somewhat silent. They don't deliver the hard message. They are just not engaging. Um, and uh, and it it has some pretty uh, some practical uh, reasons for it as well. There's just not enough uh, diplomats out there. The State Department, the top of the State Department, is just being being filled very slowly. There's not no Assistant Secretary for, of State for European Affairs. Uh, there are no ambassadors, right, including to Poland, but also Germany and NATO. Lots of so that's that's one thing. Um, that's you know that's a that's a that's a big thing. I don't think it will be necessarily as much of a part of a conversation as much as some countries will feel somewhat excluded, um, and maybe in this context it's worth pointing out some de- developments from yesterday uh, of President Obama referring to Poland and Hungary as um, increasingly authoritarian, and that's that's I would say this is a really big development. This is this is not just a guy saying something. This is this is a former president who is putting uh, first of all Poland and Hungary in one box, and then tagging it with pretty much the strongest language you can you can have. And I think that I, I truly you know uh, am convinced and, and worry frankly that this will have a very clear effect throughout the throughout the administration and also we remember the words from the campaign from the presidential campaign which has its own right for you know sharper statements where belarus hungary and poland were in one in one uh, package uh, mentioned in one line uh, by then um, the presidential candidate joe biden uh, now now, didn't Warsaw get the memo in a way? Or what, what's your reading? I mean, my reading, my conversations with the administration is actually very worrying from my perspective because it seems uh, the calculation is that it's just an interim government in the U.S. administration and the Republican, uh, you know, sort of uh, this will, the pendulum is now on the left side. It will swing back to the right, which means in the interpretation of, of the Polish administration, for instance, but I believe also several others, uh, Slovenia, Hungary, is that, you know, we can't do much with this one. We just have to dig in and wait for the next one. I mean, I'm really worried about this because we are seeing, I mean, from Central European overall perspective, we, it seems like, um, this this is a strategy that is not only going to work, but it's more 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 uh, importantly going to backfire. Yeah, I, I hope it's not as far as that. I, I worry about it a little bit, but I hope it's not as far as that. I I do think that you know there has been so much investment done in in the relationship, particularly with Trump, and it's perceived also by the by the Polish government, for example, as a, such a incredibly positive time. Then anything that comes afterwards is is so much you know is so much so much worse. They the the clearly what we are seeing is sort of wait and see approach, um, and the problem is that both sides are kind of waiting and seeing, and not much is happening uh, while important things are being uh, being done and important decisions are being taken. And here actually I, I would 
go back to the Nord Stream 2 uh, piece as well. Uh, I do. I, I don't support the the uh, U.S. administration decision not to talk with Ukraine, not to talk with uh, Poland. Uh, I think they should have. It's something that clearly impacts us very much. But uh, it, they have talked, of course, a lot with Germany. Um, and part of this is because Germany engaged. And and I think um, the, I know that there have been a number of items sort of behind closed door, but the engagement was not clear, not sufficient. And it came after a lot of hesitancy uh, for example, when it comes to congratulations, which was very much noticed. So, so you know, we don't talk. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's a question if we are, you know, I hope we are not playing chicken um, because I, I feel like uh, it might be a while before Americans blink. Um, and, 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 and we do actually need to uh, get some of those things um uh, forward uh, when it comes to the bilateral and also regional relationship. So last last point on that and a question also related to, to my understanding of, well, tactics, not really strategy on the behalf of the Polish government. There is a, a, a private on the, in the European uh, transatlantic affairs to Germany. Now, Poland sees that as a, as a slap already. Um, and it's, it's waiting until uh, US administration gets back on track, you know, after being disillusioned of what Germany may deliver. And then it's waiting for its moment in a couple of uh, years to be back in a place where Poland believes and that, that it belongs as, as kind of a partner for Central European security and defense and, uh, and those aspects. Do you, do you, uh, do you, what's your sense of, uh, of, of such a direction of kind of wait and see, but with, uh, uh, with a timestamp there, because it seems uh, that that uh, it may play differently. Elections in Germany are happening right, you know, this year. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I, I, I think some of this will. No, I don't think we need to wait a few years. I mean, some of this will start getting corrected by uh, just matter of actually having people in place. Uh, it matters that there is no ambassador. It matters that there is no assistant secretary for Europe. Um, so this will, uh, you know, this will, I think, start. I, the, 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 the argument that the Polish side will be uh, making to some extent, I think, you know, correctly, is that, look, Poland is an important friend for the U.S. Uh, and it's certainly a friend. Um and um, and, uh, and but then of course on the opposite side, um, the Americans will have problems with the values uh, and and especially when it comes to uh, democratic standards, which the government again, uh, just like Premier, Prime, Prime Minister Morawiecki will say, look, come over to Poland, uh, we'll show you. It's 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 fantastic. I don't think it's just a matter of misinformation. So there'll be some hard conversations. But I think even hard conversations will be better than this, um, you know, lack of dialogue. And, and, and hard conversation will probably lead to a, to a situation where uh, the strategic conversation will restart. There perhaps might be some additional areas of cooperation, for example, on Eastern partnership countries when it comes to Ukraine, when it comes to 
to Belarus, and there will be uh, both criticism and perhaps even some concrete actions from the Americans when it comes to the state of democracy in Poland. But it, even the, all this is actually better than than sort of just uh, not playing not playing ball by both sides. Thank you for listening. This was Visegrad Inside podcast episode featuring Quincy Klut, Maria Ciupka, Wojciech Przybylski and Michał Baranowski. If you like it, give it a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform and do subscribe at visegradinside.eu to our services um, to enjoy the full potential of uh, Visegrad Inside from Central Europe on Central Europe.